thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hello, people. This is called I'm Still Here by Mandisa. Good, good lyrics. So we're going to sing this to kind of get people in here. Then we're going to have a, hopefully, good conversation. Yeah, we are. We'll fight. I know it's been a while since anybody sees me smiling. Game over. Share this. Hopefully I can share it without it messing up. Hope is rising, waking up my soul. Everything for my good in a way that only he could. I know it's been a while since anybody seems smiling. Well, that's not true, actually, but <laughs> game over. This is my comeback song. I'm still here. And special thanks to my husband, Fairface. Yeah, he is. Or there is full broken, turning beautiful. So I feel my heart beat beating and my lungs free breathing. Yes, my God's not done with me yet. Yeah, all my yesterdays are gone, and the best is yet to come. Out of the pit. All glory to God, I will sing it again. Out of the pit, all glory to God. And the best is yet to come. Mm-hmm. The best is yet to come. Yeah, it is, people. I'm still here. Yeah, I am. Hope is rising, waking up my soul. I'm still here, all my broken turning beautiful, beat beating and my lungs breathing, yes my God's not done with me yet. Yeah, he is. God's still here too. All my yesterdays are gone, and the best is yet to come. May we never forget that, people. Hmm. 
Yeah. You know, it's interesting because that was Mandisa's song. And, you know, she she went through a very dark uh, period in her life in not too long ago, actually. And, and that song was really her testimony about, you know, how she came out of it, how she came out of the depression. So what we're going to talk about tonight on the show is we're going to talk about suicide. And, you know, it's been a tough week for, I think, the church in general. And um, I've thought a lot about this show. I've thought a lot about different things. I thought about not talking about this, actually. Uh, But I thought, you know what? You know, God has called me to a ministry. And, you know, he has called me to sit behind a microphone uh, and to share um the truth what's in god's word but also i think he's called me to to testify as well so tonight what i'm going to do is something that i don't think i've actually ever shared on this show except maybe one time and 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 i'm not actually even sure it's been one time that i've actually shared the story i'm going to share with you tonight i don't think so ever you don't think i've ever shared this no, at least not in the eight years that I've been involved. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Not not that I remember every single episode for the past eight years. Right. Which have been numerous, especially since we were mm-hmm. at one time doing, you know, two hours and splitting it up into one hour shows for a long time. Um, but again, I don't remember every single episode, but this story that I'm familiar with, I think I... Because I'm familiar with it, I would have known it if it was part of a broadcast. And I'm I'm ninety six percent sure. I yeah, but, you know, maybe I don't think I have actually. You know, maybe it's I don't know. I don't know people. I'm pretty much an open book though. Um so I wanted to start out the show by by sharing um you know, um something first of all. From God's word. Uh, of course, Bareface doesn't know, even know what I'm going to talk about. So. <laughs> but I will share it anyway. But I can tell you where it's at, Randall, if you want to pull it up. It's Matthew 13, um, beginning in verse uh, 18. Okay, give me a moment. So... While Randall is doing that, I'll say hi to everybody coming in. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hello, people. Sean, Angela, Nair, Mia, Freedom, Jackie, Sabrina, a certain number one super fan who I have unblocked. Uh, I don't know if they know it yet, but I have. Um, And whoever may be watching anywhere else, hello, people. I don't know where you're at, so I can't tell. I can't tell on Facebook. Facebook is the worst, okay? Are you going to be reading from paper or from screen? Screen. Okay. Yeah. So do you know what version? New American Standard. Do you know what uh, year? What? I don't know. It doesn't say on here. I'm on, I'm on Bible Gateway. It'll probably be the 95. All right. I never even really knew there was a different version. But anyway, so there's that. Um, and then, of course, people on YouTube or where, where are we airing this show? Where does the show air? Hi, Atheist. Atheist Samaritan, I think that's what you, your name is. We are on Periscope, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Mixer. Did I get all five? 
if I name five. Periscope, yeah. YouTube, Facebook, Mixer. Twitch. And Twitch. Yeah. yeah, five places. Wow. All right. So my hope and my prayer is that somehow this show ministers to you. I really hope it does. Uh, because <laughs> I hope it does. Okay. All right. So, by the way, if you're on YouTube, hit like. Hit the like button and share out. Okay. And if you're on everything else, if you, if you can, please do. You know, because you know the social media platforms. They are, they're actually... Um, you know, they don't like, they don't like Christian biblical conservative content. They just don't. They don't like us people, which is why I'm here. <laughs> How could you hate me forever? You know, I mean, just saying. <laughs> All right. So I want to read in Matthew 13, beginning in verse uh, 18. This is what it says. It says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. Okay, I think I'm supposed to actually read before that, but did I actually hear that? No. Nope, nope that's it. No, this word. No, wait. No, actually, let's go up to the beginning. And actually read the parable. Yeah, let's let's read. <laughs> Let's read the parable first before we read the explanation of the par parable. Okay. All right. So beginning in verse one, <laughs> that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea and large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat and he sat down and the whole crowd was standing on the beach and he spoke many things to them in parables saying, behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So then the disciples basically asked him for an explanation. So then in verse 18. Do you want to go verse 10? Or just go, yeah. yeah, just go to 18. Got so it. then in verse 18, this is Jesus saying, I believe. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns. This is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world. And the, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil. This is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. Okay, so obviously um, this is the parable of the of the sower, right? And there's a couple of things I want to bring out here. And then I want to relate it to um, 
about the issue that we're going to talk about concerning suicide and the Christian. Um, so the first thing is, I want you to recognize that we are all people. We are all sowers. We all have seed that we sow. And the seed in this particular case, obviously, was a reference to God's word, the good news. But just as in anything, you know, you always hear that thing, you reap what you sow. I want you to keep in mind that whether you're in business, you're trying to develop relationships, you are trying trying to walk in your relationship with God, share your faith with people, whatever it is, uh, your seed, whatever it is, that that thing is a valuable thing to you. And the sower has tremendous... Um, responsibility to where he's putting that or where she's putting it at. Okay. Let's just say our life is our, our, is our seed, right? Wherever we go, we are sowing, we are putting our seed out there for people to see. Well, in this case though, obviously it was an agrarian society. And, and so the Lord used literal seed as an example to talk about God's word. So so the valuable thing here is that, you know, we have something important. We have something valuable. In this case, let's just say it's seed. And we want the seed to grow, you know. And our job as the sower is to sow it, to throw it out, throw it everywhere, you know. Um, and as you know, depending on where the seed lands, depending on what kind of soil it lands in, will determine, you know, whether or not it takes root, whether or not it grows, uh, the environmental circumstances around it, if there's birds around, you know, if, if there's, you know, weeds, if there's any of that, that actually impacts whether or not that seed is going to grow and what you're going to get as a return on that. And I'm just bringing this up because I want you to know that the end of it, I'm not going to go into this whole teaching on this, I could later, but the end of this is that if you keep sowing and you keep putting it out there, eventually that seed is going to end up on good land, right? In good soil. And it's going to eventually find, um, you know, a harvest because it's going to grow. And some's going to yield 100, some's going to yield 30, some's going to yield 60, right? It's going to bring forth fruit in accordance to whatever the effort is of the person who's receiving it, right? And sometimes people in life get really super discouraged. Sometimes people get super depressed. Sometimes people um, feel like they're all alone and like they reach out. Let's just say in relationships, they reach out in relationships. They reach out to God. You know, they call on his name. They don't necessarily feel like he's there because they don't feel anything, but you know, they're not necessarily reading God's word either because the worries of the world choke that out, which is actually something the Lord mentioned in the parable. Um, sometimes it's just, you know, not the good environment. And just like years ago when I had two big dogs that, that kind of lived outdoors in my backyard and we put, we put dog food outdoors in the back, the birds would come. <laughs> And they would eat the dog food. And my poor dogs were like, hey, what the heck? Why are you eating my dog food? But the birds were around. And so the the environment 
for me to put that dog food out there wasn't real good because the birds would take it away. So we eventually had to, you know, trick the birds, which by the way, birds are really smart people. Just so you know, people ever call you a bird brain, then be complimented because birds are brilliant little creatures that God made. So, um, so sometimes though, somebody might receive our message joyfully, you know, let's just take sales, for example. Let's say you sell Legal Shield, right? I, you know, I talk to people all the time about it. <laughs> and they'll go, oh my gosh, I can get a will for 25 bucks. I'm like, yeah. And they get all excited about it. But then if I follow up, they're like, what? Oh, oh yeah, I totally forgot about it. <laughs> I'm like, really? You know, it's kind of like a kid uh, at, on Christmas morning, you know, he gets his favorite toy. And then five minutes later, he's playing with the box. You know, if you're a parent, you know exactly what that's like. Um, so the, the joy is taken away. But here's what I want you to know is that, you know what, the good seed, and this is true, it's good seed. The good seed, especially of God's word, where it's sown on a person's heart and it lands in good soil and, and, and it grows and it produces fruit. That is something that we can never, ever be ungrateful for because you know when if you study evangelism one of the things that they'll tell you is that it takes between seven and twelve times to share the gospel with somebody before somebody receives the Lord you know sometimes it's more sometimes it's less but on average a lot of people that's basically the thing people have to receive they they have to hear the word your heart has to be able to be in a place where it's able to receive whatever news that is. If your heart's hard, if you've been hurt, embittered, angry, obviously you're going to hear things different. You're not going to hear it right, right away. And so last night, you know, I had written on my personal Facebook page, a, a thing that I shared about how many years ago I was slandered about and gossiped about in a, in a church that I went to. My husband and I had served in this church for probably close to d uh, tw 12 years at least. It was a while. Um, you know, we were, quote, pillars of the church, if you will. Um, and, and through a series of very bad choices on that leadership and truly nothing that I did, honestly, that was deserving of the way that I was abused in that church, um, I left the church. And I basically said, you know what? I hate you people. I will never, ever, ever in my life again, ever step foot into another church. Screw you people and go, you know, <laughs> go to hell where you all belong because that's where you act. You're acting like that's where you go. You should go. Not acting anything remotely like Christ would, um, you know. And so I am very cognizant and I'm very aware of the hurt that's in the church. I am so aware of it because for 15 years I've done this show and I can tell you the overwhelming majority of the people that tune into this show have been alienated and have left the church, which really you guys, when you think about it, is a complete tragedy. It's a tragedy that, that a place that's supposed to be a place for sin sick souls and a, a healing for broken hearts is, is really a place, you know, where that old adage, unfortunately, is true. You know, Christians are the first to shoot their own wounded. You know, it's like 
we can't just accept people in the broken place that they're at. Instead, we just have to pour salt into their wound over and over again. And unfortunately, it's really not an issue, frankly, that's addressed much. I don't think. I don't think it's honestly addressed. I think sometimes in recovery circles it can be addressed in bigger churches. But when it's the pastor that's toxic and the leadership of the church that's toxic, obviously they're not going to talk about it. Just like pastors who are addicted to pornography, they're not going to talk about it because they're addicted to it, right? I mean, of course, some people would say sometimes the things that pastors preach about are the very things that they struggle with the most. Well, to make a long story short, I get it. So this week, when when I read the tragic news of Pastor Jared uh, Wilson, who was a, a youth pastor over at Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, uh, Greg, Greg uh, Laurie's church, um, I was mad, angry. Jared was a guest on my show not too long ago. I think it was like last year or the year before. It wasn't that long ago. We were friends on Facebook, and just a couple of weeks ago, he was talking about how in the church there is not enough help for mental, uh, for, for suicidal ideation and mental health issues and stuff. And I wholeheartedly disagree with that, actually. I told him so, actually. <laughs> and I had a little debate on his pace, Facebook page because the truth of the matter is, is low-cost counseling is available everywhere. Um, and maybe it's because I'm a therapist by training and I, I grew up in Southern California. I actually grew up in Riverside, the, the city that Harvest is. Um, but, you know, you, you know, and which, which brings me to um, the story I want to share that I haven't, I don't think I've ever shared this on the air. Um, but back to this thing with Jared, though. So, so this poor man um, committed suicide. He committed suicide the day that he buried a woman and did a eulogy for a woman who committed suicide. Um, he actually tweeted out on his Twitter account uh, to his ministry called Anthem of Hope that if you're lonely and you're depressed, then reach out to our live chat so that you can have somebody to talk to. Um, and so, you know, the... the the irony of it all is what do you do when a pastor who heads up a ministry for suicide goes ahead and commits suicide, right? So I wrote some thoughts on my Facebook page and I got flamed by people who didn't understand what I was trying to say. And of course, some people did, some people didn't. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, here we go again, right? <laughs> Thinking, okay. All right. Clearly, I need to do a show on this. Um, so I have, a, I have a lot of thoughts. Number one, um, does men mental illness exist? Yes, it does. Do I buy into the medical model of what we call mental illness? I don't. I don't. And that makes me different, I suppose. And maybe it's because I know a little bit more about the mental health industry than the average bear. And maybe, maybe it's because I understand that antidepressants by and large don't work and they have black box labels. And if somebody was bipolar and they went on and off their medication, which I know Jared was apparently bipolar, according to Kay Warren, who spoke at the, the thing on Wednesday night. Um, I don't know if he went off medication. I don't know. But what I can tell you is I don't believe medication 
works. And there's books out there on the internet um, that you can you can find on Amazon that actually show you the research there. And I'm going to be having a guest who is a psychologist who retired from being a psychologist who um, I connected with years ago after my horrific experience using antidepressants and drugs that were supposedly supposed to help me. And they, they didn't. I don't think they did. In fact, I think they, they don't help most people. And in fact, this one book I, I can tell you about later is that um, the research actually shows that the overwhelming help that people get from these, these drugs really has more to do with the placebo effect than it actually has to do with the medication really helping them. And that's actually been documented. So, you know, some people say that they get help. Maybe they do. I personally think they create more problems than they cure. And I know that that's not a popular thought. And I know tons of people would completely disagree with me. And you're perfectly fine to disagree with me if you'd like. I'm, I, I'm speaking from my experience. Okay. Well, I was a, I was a therapist for over 15 years. So, you know, anyway, so, um, so the tragedy here is that you have a young man who had a heart for this ministry, um, who at some point after burying a woman who committed suicide, decided to not reach out to the very place he was asking other people to help, uh, and not get help. And I heard, a whole bunch of things from people. Well, when you're not in your right mind, this is what happens. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, do you people even know who you're talking to? <laughs> I mean, seriously, do you, do you know who I am? I, I mean, do you know what I've gone through? Um, and, you know, Randall's like, they don't. They don't really know. So I'm going to share with you um, uh, a couple of things from my life. So you get it. So you understand that I actually do know what I'm talking about. So, um, way back in the beginning of my life, um, you know, I had a pretty crappy childhood. Let's put it that way. I was molested by my great uncle who, um, you know, did horrific things to me for most of my life, uh, up until I became a Christian when I was in high school. When I became a believer in high school, it was the first time in my life that I actually felt loved. God, you know, connected me with somebody who gave me a Bible. Um, I read it in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Uh, I was introduced to those verses. And the thing about this is that, that, um, that stood out to me was it says, you know, to not be conformed to this world but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It says that in verse 2 of Romans 12. And the Greek there actually says to be continually transformed. So transformation of your mind is a, is a huge possibility, okay? And somebody please moderate the idiots in the chat room who are being buttheads, okay? Mute them or something or block them. So that hit me. That hit me as a teenager, as a 13, 14-year-old. That really hit me. Well, it wasn't until many years later when I, when I graduated from high school at 17, 18 years old and moved out on my own uh, right after I turned 18. I was living in an apartment. I got involved in some pro-life activism 
and I was like, um, going to, you know, going out and doing some stuff and, and I was really struggling cause I was, I was struggling with a whole bunch of stuff. I had a very abusive mother who was a narcissist, uh, who was extremely verbally abusive, insulting, not godly. She swore like a sailor. My, my now husband can testify to anything I say about my mom as being accurate cause he knew her before she died. Um, and anyway, I, w I was going through some stuff and, uh, and so a friend of mine said, Hey, I know a therapist. You should go to this therapist and, and, um, you know, try, try therapy. So I didn't know what the heck therapy was, but I thought, well, sure, why not? So I, um, eventually found the person and, uh, ended up, I think I was working at focus on the family at the time. And I drove down to this office and I began to get to know this, this therapist. Her name was Rachel. And Rachel uh, and I began therapy. Yeah, we did. And it was a very interesting experience for me. It was a very odd experience because I had a therapist who at the time was an intern. And of course, at that time, I had no clue what an intern was. So just in case you don't know what an intern is, an intern is somebody who's still in college and they're getting their hours towards licensure. So they really don't know anything. And that's the truth. They really don't know anything. They don't know anything, but they're trying, right? They're, they're pretending like they know stuff, but, but you know, they don't really know anything. And I remember one day, um, after having a really bad session with her, um, I had to get up the next day and I had to go, um, I had to go to work. So there I was working at focus on the family. I happened to work in the teleservices department which is also known as the 800 line, uh, where I listened to Dr. Dobson's show, focus on the family every morning before I started answering the phones at 10 o'clock in the morning to 7 PM at night. And, um, and so I would take call after call after call people ordering the product that Dr. Dobson and everybody was offering on the show. It was a great thing, you know, Hey, today we're going to be offering blah, 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 blah. So I got to hear all of Dr. Dobson's shows and I got to see how popular they were. That's the beginning of my radio career. <laughs> I'm just kidding about that part, but I love Dr. Dobson. And I can honestly say that Dr. James Dobson is probably one of the most, um, honorable Christian men in public ministry. This is a man who, um, has gone through crap from other Christians. Um, he was pushed out of his own ministry a number of years ago and, um, he has stood the test of time. He has never wavered in his integrity. He has always been faithful to his wife and children. And he, he's just an upright man. And anybody who has had the blessing of meeting Dr. Dobson or working with him can testify to the same thing. You will never hear anybody who actually knows this man, badmouth him in any way. I don't think, um, at least I haven't in the 30 plus years it's been since that, that, um, that time in my life. So I remember I was, you know, overwhelmed with my job, but I was also overwhelmed with the personal recovery that I was going through because here all of a sudden after eight, you know, a, 10 tons of years and not being able to tell anybody about all the crap I was going through. I actually had somebody who was listening to me and actually was interested. They wanted to know. 
the different things that I was enduring as a kid and how it was coming out as an adult, the different things that I was dealing with. I had anxiety that you would not believe. I had post-traumatic stress disorder to the hilt, nightmares, flashbacks, panic attacks, uh, severe, severe depression. But at the same time, I was still able to get up and go and do my job and be an encouragement because God gave me a temperament, fortunately, that tends to be more sanguine than melancholy. And to put that in Winnie the Pooh terms, that would be like more Tigger than Eeyore, you know. Um, I'm not bipolar. I've never been diagnosed as bipolar. In fact, I wasn't actually even diagnosed as depressed. Um, but here's the thing. So, uh, so one afternoon, um, during a break, I had a meltdown. It was a bad meltdown. I mean, I started crying uncontrollably and I had to be, this was before I was married to Randall. So it had to be, I had to be about 20 at the time, maybe 21. And I had this meltdown and, um, and I just lost it. I mean, lost it. Like I was crying. I couldn't stop, you know, that, that type of heave crying, like the world just fell out from under you. That type right there is what I, it was bad. It was bad. And I went to Shelly, who was the supervisor at the time. And it's funny because um, to this day, I, I can remember everything, right? So Shelly came to me. And she tried to console me because I was having a bad flashback. Okay. I was having a, I was having a bad flashback. It was real. You know, when you live in fear, you know, and you deal with constant terror in your life and being abused, whether it's hit, abused sexually or whatever, you know, it's bound to come to you at some point, overwhelm you. And I had never been able to feel it because nobody in my family would let me because I was too bu busy being groomed to be the one that took care of everybody's problems. Which, by the way, I can tell you honestly that that right there is a big part of the problem with most people, especially majorly codependent people, is you get groomed to be able to carry the burdens of, of everybody ex and then you lose yourself because you're like, well, what? I don't have any feelings. I'm an extension of that person. And that's a really bad thing, especially if you've been in a narcissistic home with a narcissistic abuse, which is very, very rampant, by the way. I also got to remember, this was in the 80s, okay? Maybe very early 90s. I think it was mid 80s. And here's the thing. Nobody at that point quite understood the degree and the, the epidemic of what was going on. And I credit Oprah Winfrey. I don't like her new age hooey gooey God talk. That's a bunch of hooey. But what I do give Oprah Winfrey credit for is opening up the dialogue about abuse, and in particular sexual abuse, to the world so that people would begin to deal with it. So you guys can thank God for her. For, for her courage to do that because that was something that was groundbreaking back in that day. 
and so I was losing it. And um, Shelly didn't know what to do. And so she asked me, she said, she said, are you feeling okay? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Do you want to, you know, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know, you know, and I'm just, just losing it. Right. I mean, and so I gave her my therapist phone number. I gave her Rachel's number and this was the days before cell phones too. So <laughs> that's how, that's a long time ago. And so she called up my therapist and um, and they, and of course I gave consent cause you have to give consent. Rachel talked to me. She asked me if I felt like I was safe. I said, no, I don't feel like I'm safe. I feel like, like the whole world is going to come after me. I'm crashing and, and everything. And she just kept asking me, do you feel like you're safe? And I'm, are you going to harm yourself? I said, I don't think I'm going to harm myself, but I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe enough to go home. I lived by myself at that time. Um, and, and all that. So Rachel decided that she was going to call 911. And, and I'm like, okay. So <laughs> she calls 911 and, you know, an ambulance, fire truck, whatever shows up at Focus on the Family to come and get me and to take me to a mental hospital so that I could be checked in and so that I could uh, get into a safe environment and I could um, go ahead and begin to really deal with the abuse that I went through. And then I ended up spending a week in this hospital. It was a secular mental health hospital. Um, I'll never forget it either. Rachel came and she yeah, it was at the time when they had cell phones, you know, not cell phones, pay phones. You had to pay like 20 cents. I think they just upped it to a quarter. She had like a whole pocket full of quarters and she gave them to me. I remember her pouring out the the purse of quarters into my hand and saying, here, you take this and call whoever. And I didn't have anybody to call because there was no way in hell I was going to call my mother. That wasn't going to happen because she was the one abusing me at that time still. And I didn't, I didn't know who else to call except her. That was, she was, that was pretty much it. I couldn't call anybody at my church because my church, when I, I had mentioned to them that I had been sexually abused, pawned me off to a school and didn't tell because they didn't want to deal with it. And I found out many years later that it was because the pastor's uh, wife was sexually abused and they just didn't want to do it. They didn't want to deal with it. I mean, imagine that, huh? Coming into the Christian faith revealing you're being sexually abused by people and then you go to the church and the church doesn't do anything. I get church hurt people. I get it. I did have friends though at Focus on the Family and that was a good thing because it was the people at Focus on the Family that helped me get through that week. And I'll tell you what, that was a week that was amazing it was absolutely amazing. It was an amazing week because um, I was—I finally was in an environment where I wasn't alone. Um, eventually, I got out. A week later, I checked myself out, even though it was not recommended. <laughs> and um, and then it was probably a short time after that I had more flashbacks. 
and one night I called Rachel up to to reach out, which I was calling her a lot. Which now, as a as a retired therapist, I I go now I know what she was going through with me. <laughs> but that was all I knew at that point. It was like, okay, there's this one person that I can talk to, and that's so I did. I I reached out to her and. One night I was really overwhelmed. She asked me if I was feeling suicidal. I said no, and she uh, didn't believe me. And she decided to take it upon herself to actually call the ambulance. And they came to my house. And I was so pissed off at that point. I was ticked. I was ticked and I was royally ticked that she actually called the fire department to come to my house. And, and, I remember opening the door when they got there because, of course, when they show up to your house, if they think you've attempted suicide, which, by the way, I have never attempted suicide, not once. Um, you know, there's the cops, or not the cops, but the fire department, and they're like, are you Stacy? I'm like, yes, I'm Stacy. And they're like, have you harmed yourself? Can we come in and talk to you? And I'm like, sure. Why not? Except, it, you know, I was scared out of my mind because, you know, I had just spent time in the hospital. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to go back there, you know. Not that it was a horrible experience, but the point is that that I get it. And I get that people struggle with this. And the point is that sometimes you do need professional help. Sometimes you actually need to have the police or the fire department you know, to intervene uh, in your life if you're not able to deal with something. God created us for community. He created us so that we could go and help one another. The Bible says in, I think it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 or 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that we are to comfort one another with the comfort with which we have been comforted. And here's the thing. If you're somebody who has never allowed yourself to heal and go to that place that's super dark that you have to deal with, then you know what? You cannot comfort somebody because you've never allowed yourself to be comforted. You know, the, the, the people that are the most honest are the most broken. That's been my experience. And you can agree to disagree, but that's my experience. And that's the experience I know of a gazillion people, um, because, the truth is you can't get through life. You can't get through recovery. You can't deal with overwhelming depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, unless you're actually dealing with it with other people. You didn't get broken and abused by yourself. You know, usually there's some type of abuse that, that precedes the actual breaking of a person. You know, it involves somebody. You know, it's that type of thing that leads people to alcohol or drugs or domestic violence or pornography or whatever sin you you think, right? And I think it's about damn time that the church get real and not and stop playing this fluff pop psychology bullshit that's out there that doesn't do a damn thing for people, right? Because here's the thing, and I'm going to be, I'm sorry for my language, but I'm going to tell you something. Because I know, and I'm going to tell you this, you as a person, if you're dealing with stuff, you need to take personal responsibility and stop hiding. You need to have the guts to actually reach out to somebody and stop lying to people. 
Because you know what? People who commit suicide and they do this type of thing, they actually are liars. They're actually liars. They're, they are self-absorbed. And I know some of you don't want to hear this, and I'm sorry if this offends you, but it's a fact. Maybe they split in their mind. I don't know. But what I can tell you is that if somebody comes to you and they're asking you, are you okay? Instead of saying fine, tell the freaking truth. You know, don't be a liar about how you're feeling. You know, don't act as if you're God. And I think that's part of the problem. You know, why is it that the millennial pastors of this day are killing themselves over and over again? Is it because the, their life is so much more stressful than my life was, you know, 50 years ago? I don't know. But what I can tell you is that, you know, that old adage, you're only in, as sick as your secrets is actually very true. And if you're not brave enough or honest enough, or as Brene Brown says, you know, willing enough to, to, to dare, you know, to actually talk about what it is that you're struggling with, then how the hell are people going to help you if you're not willing to admit you need help? You, you know, you know, the thing is here, it's pride. And of course, we don't want to talk about pride. We don't want to talk about pride, right? We don't want to talk about pride because it's an ugly word, right? We think about pride goes before the fall. It's actually true. It's true. Pride does go before the fall. Pride goes before destruction. Have you read the book of Proverbs? God didn't create us to, to figure out our life on our own. We can't. We can't. We can't figure it out on our own. You know, so stop lying. Stop lying to yourself if you're hurting. Stop lying to other people. Let somebody help you. You know, I, I have never met one person, honestly, who, if I actually said, look, I really need help, I'm really having a hard time, they're going to go, well, screw you, go somewhere else. <laughs> it's exactly the opposite. People want to help, but you have to, you have to step out and ask for the, the help in some cases. Stop lying about it. And it's just like the gossip in the church. Stop gossiping. You know, one of my biggest pet peeves in the churches, especially at prayer meetings, is, you know, when people say, well, do you have a prayer, do you have a prayer request? And everybody in the group will say, yeah, please pray for Aunt Joe or please, you know, or whoever. It's always about some external thing going on outside. It's never about the person and their struggle. You know, this is why I said, said to my friend Denise a couple of days ago, I said, I'd, I'd rather have 12 friends like my friend Denise Velarde than one pious person who thinks they're all that in a bag of chips because they think that, you know, just because they look good on the outside or they have like, you know, uh, high income or whatever that, you know, they're the person to turn to. No, I want a recovered alcoholic as my best friend, you know, I want somebody who understands deception and self-deception. And here's the thing, people, the Bible talks about self-deception. Jeremiah says that our hearts are deceitfully wicked above all else who can know it, right? And we know it, you know it, you know it, you do know it. You know the things you do in secret. You know the things, the jabs that you make, the way that you talk about people or think about them. You know how wicked and rotten you are. But see, our culture says, wait, no, you're not. We're all good people. Why do bad things happen to good people? You know what? Good things happen to bad people. And I think we should start saying that. You know that? Good things happen to bad people. You're all bad, 
right? If you were perfect, you wouldn't need Christ to come and save you. The truth is you're not perfect though. And you're never going to be perfect. (laughs) Jesus didn't die for perfect people. He died for us. He died for broken people. And you know what the thing is? Is the Bible says that God is near to the brokenhearted. And he's near to the contrite in spirit. You'll never find a verse where it talks about God being near to those who are proud. And so um, my encouragement is get real. Get real. Be real. Let somebody help you if you're having a hard time. And don't get mad at people who are trying to tell you the truth because they're the ones that are honest with you. And they're the only ones that are actually brave enough to tell you the truth. You know, and, and it bothers me that people like me get vilified for actually stating the truth. It's like the child that says, hey, look, how come the emperor has no clothes? Well, it's because sometimes the obvious needs to be stated and nobody wants to talk about it. So the question is, is committing suicide a sin? The answer is yes, it is. And I think Bareface wants to make some comments, <laughs> which would be good because now I can take a drink of water. Yeah, well, there's nothing in Scripture that explicitly prohibits taking your own life. Uh, you know, we have the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder. You know, thou shalt not kill. The idea is murder. Um, you know, so self-murder would be, you know, included by that. I mean, we do have examples of suicide in the Scripture. And... Since half your face is cut off, I'm going to go solo. Um, Okay. We do have examples of suicide in the scripture, but they're not necessarily praise per se nor condemned. I mean, there's some famous ones like Samson. You know, he was there in the Philistine temple. His eyes had been gouged out. He asked for the Lord to turn his strength and, you know, push the pillars that brought the house down, literally. And he knew he was going to die in that, but it was a sacrifice for you know as a way of you know on behalf of his people and uh we see judas uh ish the man of curiot or judas iscariot um we see him uh you know committing suicide out of out of remorse um for his betraying of the lord and there are some other quasi-suicide examples. I think of Abimelech where, and Saul as well. They had their armor bearers kill them uh, to prevent a certain shame or indignity. So it's it's like uh, assisted suicide. <laughs> Armor-assisted suicide. Kind of like the physician-assisted suicide that um, unfortunately is uh, has had some notoriety in recent times. Anyway, but but what I think, and I think Stacey would agree, how it is a sin is just in what you were talking about. How we have the community of the church, and we are to uh, confess our sins to one another that we might be healed. Um, there, uh, you know, we're to encourage one another. Love and good works is part of that community. That the the church with the capital C is is a is a fellowship. It's a it's a family of God that is supposed to be there uh, for one another. 
Now, I want to bring some scripture into this. This is not about suicide, but I think it's uh, it's a failure of the church. And it has to do with wronging, you know, wrongs done to one another in the church. Um, but to hear the words of Paul here. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he writes to that congregation, he says, Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to your shame. It is so that there is is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. Now therefore it is already an utter failure for you that go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And he goes on to, to give this list of, of, of various sins. But the thing is, you know, yeah, you know, I, I step on your foot or whatever you think I've so I've done you wrong. The Lord himself, Matthew 18, gives this uh, progression on how to handle, you know, um, uh, um, trespasses, you know, within within the body of Christ. And you'll go to that brother and seek, you know, so they don't hear you, etc. And then there's this progression. But here in the Corinthian church, you know, it's like, oh, well, you, you stepped in my foot or whatever, you stole, you ripped me off. We're gonna go. We're gonna go to the Roman magistrates, you know, the 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 the, gen, the unbelievers, and go to the court of law. And he's like, what? You know, you're gonna judge England. You 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 can't. There's not not one among you that can judge things pertaining to this life. I mean, if if you know, if you're going to be entrusted with such much more in the kingdom to come. Certainly, you can deal with things of this life. I mean, that things ought to be handled in the congregation. And so I think the there is a failure in the church today when it's like, oh, I'm struggling with this. I'm going to go outside, you know, to, to secular psychology or whatever it is or take these medications or whatever. And because, you know, I for whatever, some a lot of times it's pride or a lot of times it's, Fear, but I guess it's really <laughs> fear, rather than pride. That oh well, nobody's you know, nobody's gonna understand this, and and you know I don't want to step on anybody's toes or whatever. I don't want to, you know, I'm supposed to put on the happy, smiley Christian face and, and get through it. But when 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 there is suicide among the saints, I think it's a failure on the part of the person that kills himself and it's a part a failure on the part of the church at large of course that person never said anything but if we allow someone to be in a congregation and and essentially invisible 
that they've got no accountability. No one, you know, speaking of life, they're not part of any group, r- group or any fellowship. That's why I have a hard time with the mega churches because people slip in the back, you know, come in late to the service, but- the fifth service or whatever, and slip out, and, and no one ever knows. That's why I think once a church, my personal feeling, once a church gets to be over 200, it's time for a group to go out and go plant another congregation where they can be effective, there can be effective personal ministry. Okay, I'm not sure how you guys are, okay, Periscope, you guys are tapping letters. How are you doing that? Hmm? Like A, B, and C. I don't know what those letters are from. Anyway. um, So... I wanted to share a little bit more too and and just say a couple other things just so you kind of understand where I'm coming from. First of all, I want you to know this is not easy for me to share this. This is a very personal thing. In fact, I pretty much lay out who the heck I am on this show if you know me. Ugh, some people. You know, pretty much what you see is what you get. You know, if you don't like it, then you don't like me because it's pretty much me. Um, but I shared this story because I understand being desperate. And I understand the abuse and I understand what it was like to have help given to me when I didn't want it. Okay. I mean, when when Rachel called that fire thing on me, that the one time I didn't want it, it was because she thought I needed it. And I'm like, uh, nope, don't need it. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it scared the crap out of me. It really did. Did There's nothing like having, you know, people come to your your house to take you away to a hospital when you're by yourself. Well, the, the first incident, I actually, in retrospect, I don't think the, the ambulance was called. I think they actually, I think the, if I'm recalling correctly, I'm correcting my story, is that they, they actually drove me to the hospital and, and Rachel met me there. Um. I think that's what it was. As I was talking, I was like, yeah, because it's been over 30 years that that happened. It was 30 years ago that that took place when I was just a kid. And my big concern today, and, you know, Kay uh, Warren and and Greg Laurie addressed it a little bit. I think Kay Warren did a great job when she spoke to the church. But my, my concern is the copycats that will now follow Jared's example. And I know some people are like, well, no, you know, there, there won't be anybody that does that. But I don't, I don't believe that. I think that this young man, whether he intended it or not, um, just harmed the church big time. You know, I just found out today, if you follow Greg Laurie's Instagram page, Jared Wilson was the pastor over the youth in that church. You know, uh, youth are highly impressionable, (laughs) you know, and the older you get, most of you guys are in our age group, but the older you get, the, the younger youth are, you know what I mean? (laughs) It's like you see a 20 year old or a 25 year old and you're like, wow, that's young, you know? (laughs) Whereas before, like when you were 30, a youth would be like 18, you know I mean? But now that I'm almost 51, it's like, you know, somebody under 30 is young to me. That's like, okay, you're a youth. That guy was 30 years old. He's just a kid. I don't think most people are really adults until they're 40. So, you know, the the teenagers that this guy was over 
the young people in their 20s that this young man was over. You know, many of them are going to have shipwrecked faith. And I know nobody wants to hear that. And I got some people who are, who are mad at me for saying it. But you know what? It's, it's true. How come, you know, well, if Jared Wilson could kill my kill himself, not turn out to God, then, you know, uh, then I guess I can too because I can enter in Je into Jesus's arms just like he did because I'm in so much pain. He did it, you know, all that. So I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying it's a potential consequence of that sin. And that bothers me. That's part of the reason I was so angry the other night. You know, aside from the fact that this year alone, I've had, if I include Jared, six people die in one year. Okay. I had four people die in February in case you guys all forgot. You know, my first counseling client died of lung cancer. The guy that helped my dad uh, with the VA benefits, who was an awesome, godly man, died suddenly. My friend Joe at Pickleball died, which is why my book Pickleball Faith isn't done yet, because I've been trying to process that loss still. And then my father-in-law died, which, you know, that's a whole, lo that's a whole nother thing. That that's in February. Those, I mean, I got whammed with grief in February. And then, uh, Cindy Brown, who was a periscoper, died the month after, you know, that was the fifth death, you know, and now Jared Wilson, who was a guest on my show, that's six deaths, people. You know, so yeah, forgive me if I'm a little bit sensitive and grieve occasionally and get pissed off a little bit, especially when death is, this particular death was unnecessary. This death didn't have to be, you know, Jared didn't have to die, you know. <laughs> he could have lived an old life, you know, and then I compared it to my dad. You know, my dad is 91. My dad served in the Korean War. My dad saw part of his platoon blow up in front of him. My dad suffers with PTSD, dementia, and Parkinson's. My dad was a stable man, though, who worked at one company for 42 years. And never, not one time in my father's life, have I ever heard that man say anything horrible or self-degrading like, I want to die, I hate life, or anything like that. Not once has my father ever made that type of comment. And I was thinking about this. This is my own stuff. You can agree or disagree. I don't really care. It's, it's my experience. I was thinking, I look at a lot of older people. Uh, the generation before antipsychotic, antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication. I look at that generation, and I look at how they cope versus the antidepressant, antipsychotic, anti-anxiety medication drugs culture. And I wonder how much of that crap influences a lot of the stuff that we go through. Sure, the former being known as the greatest generation. Yeah. And for good reason. Right. You know, that I've, you know, uh, you know, the folks that went through World War II, the men and women who saw combat uh, that uh, that liberated the concentration camps in, in Poland, and uh, you know, saw some pretty horrific things, and and on the in the um, in the Asian theater as well. I've read some things, some really atrocious things about humans done to other human beings in prison of war camps and stuff like that. And they witnessed all that, and they came home, they got jobs, and it became the baby boom. 
it's like, hey, we're going to build a better life, you know, for, you know, for our kids and that sort of thing. The economy, you know, uh, just blossomed and all that. And, you know, their reaction was, we're going to, you know, we're going to build a better life for our kids. Uh, you know, they'd come through the depression and all that. And so, and now, now what is it? What are, what are the hardships that people endure? Um, they break their fingernail and they're or, all upset. Or, you know, getting offended on Facebook or, or being turned down for a scholarship or something like that. Um, yeah, so... Well, you know, we're going to talk to uh, Dr. Linda Lagerman, right, again? Yeah, I got to get her on the air. I, I, mean, I got her. Um, I mean, she's been real busy, but I'm going to get her on. She's, sure. done, she's done a lot of research about the, the what, two suicides every day among well, I don't, more. Well, I don't know how many it, it is, but Dr. Linda is a psychologist who retired. She quit being a psychologist after having, uh, you know, so many people come into her practice in Northern California that were struggling with stuff and they were get on these medications and you know what what the dark side of the the and the psychotropic meds is is that they put a black box warning on there yeah. which actually says this could create homicidal or suicidal feelings but right. nobody talks about it all yeah. the shooters out there mostly young men yeah. that come go and shoot up they're on meds every Run. single one of them are yeah and 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 then when she talks about the troops that come home that, that never saw that combat. never saw combat and they kill themselves so people get this wrong impression that the military folks that are coming back who aren't even in combat they go kill themselves and i believe there's a massive connection to the medication yeah it's it's, uh, it's, it's, it's passed out like candy and it used to be that you could get into the you couldn't get into the military if you were on those drugs and now that's the source of the drugs that's right well i'm feeling a little down hey we got a drug for that I'm feeling kind of, you know, just kind of slow today. Well, we got a drug for that. Yeah. And well, you know, Barb, she said over on YouTube, you know, uh, that generation did a lot of faking it until they make it. Not everything was wonderful. They right. took pride in being tough. Yeah. And you know what? Let me tell you something. And this actually goes back to another point I wanted to make at the beginning. Romans 12.2 says not to be conformed to this world, but to be continually transformed by the renewing of your mind. What we know about neuroplasticity in the brain today, you guys, is absolutely amazing. God gave, our brains are so malleable that they, we can rewire our brains by our thoughts. We don't, it doesn't even have to be a real thought. We, we can think happy thoughts. It can start out fake, but you know what? Those things are real and it eventually will rewire our neurotransmitters, all that stuff, and it will change who we are for the better. It doesn't have to be real for us, for it to impact us in a good way. And so I think there's a lot of good in, quote, faking it until you make it. Um, and I can tell you, having taken care of my dad for five years and been around 80 and 90-year-olds for five years, that those old people, those elderly, mature people, uh, they've seen way harder times than we have. And I can tell you that those who are in there, it's because they have a good attitude and they chose to focus on the good. And this is interesting because it coincides with what Philippians 4, 7, and 8 talk about, which God tells us what to think about. He tells us to think about what's lovely, what's true, what's of good report, of excellence. Yeah. And I was just to go... Like, can I just say one other thing? Sure. 
And somebody asked me, well, do, do I think that people, um, feel depressed or what or 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 choose to be depressed i answered yes and here's why i said yes because look do do we cause our depression no i think sometimes you just wake up sometimes it's hormonal it can be nutritional you eat too much sugar that causes depression you can feel that depression your hormones when with periods you can feel that right Here's the truth though, you choose to stay there because God gave us the ability to get the heck out of it. And if you want, if you don't believe me, read Psalms. The book of Psalms is David struggling with his depression. If you read it, that's what he's doing. He starts, starts out so many Psalms, oh, my soul is cast down, blah, 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 etc. And then by the end, he's putting his hope and trust in God. And you know what the tragedy to me is, unfortunately, with this whole thing with Jared? The, the tragedy to me is that there was, there nobody really talked about that. The people were talking about, oh, what a poor soul, he's tortured and everything. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he was, but how come he didn't do what the word of God said? And this is where I get mad at the whole issue of the pop psycho babble in the church because he didn't, he wasn't discipled enough and mature enough in his faith to go to God's word and say, wait a minute, this is it. Did Jesus commit suicide when he was overwhelmed with grief? No, he actually set an example to us. He asked for help. Now, this is the son of God. He asked for help. He asked his disciples to pray for him, right? Did Jared reach out and ask somebody to pray for him? I don't know. You know, do you when you're overwhelmed? Maybe not. Maybe you're not in your right mind. But the point is, is that that option is there. And if we're going to walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit and submit unto God and resist the devil and not cave into the temptation, he has he has given us a way of escape. It's just whether or not we're going to do it or not. And I think by and large, the church is by and large carnal, which means fleshly. And we're not walking by the spirit. And if we did, there would be a lot fewer things than this. I'm done. Yeah, I was, you know, you spoke of <sighs> Philippians chapter four and, and six through eight and the things, well, especially verse eight, what the things were to think upon. And, you know, Barb talked about faking it till they made it. The, um, you know, the greatest generation. I was reminded of Philippians chapter four, but not verse eight. But the often taken out of context, I can do all through things through a verse taken out of context. Um, in Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to take off the reference here. But we often hear verse 13, you know, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right. And, you know, it's used on, on athletic jerseys and stuff like that. Oh, you know, I can... I can do a record pole vault, you know, I can set, I can set new time records, I can do all things, but they're missing, just in the English, we can look at the context of it and get what he's talking about. Right. Verse 10. By the way, just so you know, I want to let you know that I do see some of your comments in here in the chat, and we'll get to them in just a second. All right. Uh, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished once again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. 
I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ. It strengthens me. And if if I was going to put a Randall Harp translation, it would I have strength or I am strengthened. I have I have uh, I am fortified in Christ who strengthens me. So it's not a these great things I can accomplish or you know I'm gonna set new records or you know climb the ladder of success through Christ. It's no. I mean you can see it. Uh, I've I've learned how to be based, learned to bound. I've learned how to be full and suffer need, or to be hungry, to bound, suffer need. Whatever circumstance I've in, I've I've learned to be content because my strength is drawn from Christ, not from the circumstances that I am in. So, you know, I'm not I'm not at the at the whatever um, at the gosh, what's the word I'm trying to look for? But uh, you know, I'm not at the mercy. That's, but that's really good. I'm I'm not under control. Basically, I'm not controlled by my circumstances yeah. because my strength comes from inside through Christ. It's Christ who strengthens me. I can do all these things. That is, I can endure whatever circumstance. I'm not going to lose my head when I abound. I'm not going to let you know riches and good times pull me astray. Neither am I going to let times of abject poverty put me down and it's not going to shipwreck my faith because my faith is not in my circumstances. My faith is in Christ who strengthens me. And your faith isn't in your, your feelings. Exactly. Because right. those are circumstances as well. They happen in physical are... circumstances. but And believe me, I'm going to tell you guys, me physiological and Randall, circumstances. Randall and I, we, we, have our mo- we have our days where we're like, sure. we're both like... I suck. Doing? Yeah, this sucks, man. Hey, no, I if, suck. If you think being an entrepreneur is easy, you're nuts. All of you are crazy. If you think that what we do every day is easy, I mean, it's not. It's really difficult. But, but you know, I, it's, it builds character. <laughs> not that every member of the Greatest Generation was a solid Christian, but you know, I don't think it's like they buried their feelings and they all had PTSD and then they just. You know, we're we're ticking time bombs waiting to go off, and they just buried all. I think they didn't let their circumstances because they'd been through some really, you know, growing it's up in the depression. Else. Yeah, growing up in the depression and then being thrust into a horrific war. Um, you know, it's like, gosh darn, I'm gonna make a better life for me and my children. I'm I'm not going through that. Right. And it was the catalyst to basically do a 180. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of comments in here. And, you know, Bam. you guys, it's already quarter after nine. We might go over just a little bit. But, you know, I got to thank our sponsor. And then I'll get to these comments after after we do that. You guys know that Legal Shield. this is my, uh, oh, we're going to do Ariel. No, go ahead. Okay. So this is my Lady of Justice uh, mug, you guys. Today, believe it or not, I actually got a... I got a letter from Cafe Press. Cafe Press, you know that website where you can go, you can get like t-shirts made and stuff like that. It was a letter telling me that they had a data breach way back in February this year. (laughs) Here it is uh, like September and they're just telling me this. Um, 
they wanted to assure me that they were on top of things and protecting me. Just so you know. Uh, <laughs> when I got the letter, because at first I was like, maybe it's a check. Randall's like, is it a check? Maybe somebody bought something from your store. I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> that's not it. Uh, but it kind of, as anyway, it ties into what I sell. I have to sell identity theft protection and legal insurance. Um, and uh, I, I want you guys to know that um, that, you know, I do this part-time. I do Bible News Radio part-time. I do Legal Shield part-time. And I sell Legal Shield to make money to help support Bible News Radio and to feed my animals and my husband and me so we can eat. Um, and so I'm not going to go into a big, huge thing, explain everything that it is. So many of you already know what it is. Some of you are already my customers. But um, I will say that if you haven't got your will done yet, you should get it. I doubt Jared had his done. Just saying. I don't know for sure, but Aretha Franklin didn't have her will done as she left millions and her sons had to hash this out and probate. They're probably still dealing with it. Um, you can get your will done for 25 bucks. 25 bucks. That's it. That's chump change. And it's because this is a program that is actually like crowdsourcing for lawyers. It's like an HMO is for doctors. Um, you get access to a, an attorney provider law firm for 25 bucks a month. You can talk to an attorney unlimited amount of times and not receive a bill for it. You know, the average attorney is about 300. I actually talked to somebody yesterday. They were paying $400 an hour for their attorney, right? Um, Legal Shield law provider firms are paid a lot of money and they're great lawyers. They're not fly by night attorneys that go to some law school and get, you know, your law degree in a cereal box. They're actually attorneys who've been in practice, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, so you're getting top notch attorneys that have high ethical standards and higher standards than a regular attorney when you join Legal Shield. Um, and all that. So I want to encourage you to, to join, come to me, sign up under me. I can tell you more. And if you have a legal issue, whether you need a lawyer to write a letter on your behalf, like we did, Randall paid a bill and it ended up being one day late, according to the bank. And we got paid this, this late charge, which was stupid because it was one of those stupid things, you know, and the, the bank decided to keep charging late fees instead of like, like not like canceling the thing um and so an attorney got involved and guess what it got wiped out for us um and and then we've had other things like you know i've had to deal with my dad and assisted living i had to sell his house and i need an attorney for all that stuff you need a power of attorney you need a financial power of attorney you need to have your advanced directives done and the event something happens to you you know what's what's gonna happen if you end up in a coma <laughs> you know you need to put that in writing just so you know, if you're if you're single and you own pets, you need a will so you, people know where your pets are going to go. You know, I know a lot of people go, well, I don't have anything. You have more than you think. You really do. And you can get yourself protected and you can protect yourself with Legal Shield with our identity theft protection service. Um, this is a service I hope you never need, but unfortunately you will because there's data breaches everywhere. And I'm going to tell you something. Um, I signed up a lady this week who is almost 70 and, um, and, you know, she's like, I don't have anything and I hope I never need this. And I'm going, I hope you don't either. But here's one thing. If you have a business and you're on social media, 
that can be a business write-off. Just so you know, people. And it's not expensive. It's $14.95 for our three-bureau plan for an individual. And it's $29.95 for a family, which covers up to 10 children and two parents. Okay? And Legal Shield is $24.95 a month. So you can literally protect your whole family for under... We're about 50 bucks a month, 55 if you get the three bureau plan over the one bureau plan. So just think about it. Get in touch with me. Contact me. You guys know you can just contact me through our website and and do it. You know, it was a Christian owned and operated company. The guy that founded it was a born again believer starting in October. Guess what? They are actually we are actually expanding into all of Canada and we're also expanding into the United Kingdom. So Legal Shield not only covers all of America, but it's covering all of Canada, and now we're also in the United Kingdom. So if some of you are out there and you're in the United Kingdom or Canada, you can actually contact me now, and we can we can get you covered. So, hey, JDF, um, nice to see you, bud. Um, so that's one thing. Ariel Ministries is our other thing. Ariel Ministries, um, they have blessed us f- for so many years, sponsoring us. Uh, this show and educating us and our, our prayer. I mean, for me personally, they've changed my life with the teaching that Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum has provided. Um, you can save 20% when you go to buy, when you go to ariel.org, when you use the coupon code Bible news, you guys, the best education you're ever going to get is education. That's theologically and biblically sound. It's not Joel Osteen. It's Arnold Fruchtenbaum. Just saying, Uh, Not that Joel is a horrible person. It's just he's not biblically sound, and he's certainly not a Bible teacher by any stretch. Um, So go to ariel.org. Use that coupon code Bible News right down there. Save 20%. And uh, I think that's it, right? If you want to be a pillar of our community, that's just somebody who's like, hey, I like what you guys do. You know, just donate something to us. We need the money, you guys. (laughs) That's the bottom line is we need it. Uh, we're struggling. We're struggling. Randall's having a hard time selling video. Uh, and it's not because he's not trying. Hey, maybe you guys want video for something. Maybe you know somebody who needs video. If you do, get in touch with my husband because he is um, brilliant when it comes to video. So, but yeah, anyway, you can donate at BibleNewsRadio.com. I going to say that's what all the reviews say. You know, <laughs> read online, fast customers and... Mm-hmm. prospects have dealt with and they all say great things but uh for some reason that's not translating into a sale for the past couple months it's been a few <laughs> a few um, months anyway two. it feels like a lot more than that though doesn't it well yeah anyway okay so let's get to your questions and comments uh, where does the originate in Hebraic Messianic teaching? That doesn't make sense. Where does that originate in he- Hebraic Messianic teaching? Lewis, I'm not sure how... Oh, the Star of David. Okay, the Star of David. Where, okay, do you know anything about that, Randall? The Star of David, where that originates in Messianic teaching? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. We'll have to research that and go ahead and get back to you on that one. Um. um Okay. All right, I'm trying to scroll through here, back through so many comments. Angie, I appreciate you commenting throughout the show. Um, I appreciate you, um, you know, doing that. I think somebody, let's see, 
Uh, oh, yeah. One of the questions was, do you believe a Christian will go to hell if they commit suicide? Um, I'll tell you what I think. I think, no, I don't think a Christian, if you're really a born again Christian, I don't think you'll go to hell. Where I struggle is a couple of things. And I, sh I was sharing this with a friend earlier this week. I find it hard, hard to understand how a born again Christian can commit suicide. I just have a hard time with that. I believe demonic oppression can take place. I do believe people can get overwhelmed. Um, you know, a temporary moment of actual insanity, I suppose. Uh, but I struggle with it because the Bible says greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Um, and the Bible also talks about how we, you know, the goal of the believer should be to like when we, when we're welcomed home by the Lord, you know, we want to hear God say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I just find it really, and, and this is me, I just find it hard to, to know that if I kill myself as a believer, that Jesus is going to be saying, hey, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Welcome to heaven. I, I'm not saying they're going to hell. I'm just saying I don't understand understanding the Bible the way that I do, how it's a good thing. Um, I don't believe a person can lose their salvation. I don't think committing suicide is the unpardonable sin, but I don't think it's the best thing that a person can do either. Um so what is the biblical way to respond when a Christian pressures you to share personal things that you aren't ready to open up as well as you don't know them? Um, well, what I, what I actually think on, and that is, you know, I just say, you know, I don't feel comfortable sharing with you this information and I would own it, you know? Um, I wouldn't say you're not trustworthy, you know, I just say, look, you know, I'm not in a place to share that with you right now. And if they don't respect you for that, then that's their problem. Well, then that's a clue. It's a clue. As that they're not a safe person to share with, and you've judged rightly. Right. Yeah, you know, certainly we need to, you know, as James says, uh, confess your sins one to another and that you may be healed. That healing process comes from community and, and being transparent. Right. But that doesn't mean being transparent with everybody that crosses your path. Um, because some people can't be trusted. Ultimately, because that's valuable information when you bury your soul. That's 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 precious information. You can't trust just anybody with it. You know, don't cast your pearls before swine, as the scripture says. Um, yeah, Kristen, are you still in here? I don't know if you're still in here, but uh, Kristen says, "Lost a parent to suicide ten years later. I'm still scared." Well. And, you know, I mean, that's tragedy. I mean, we, and I understand that. I totally understand the fear. I've had friends kill themselves. Um, I wasn't a parent. That's a big deal. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, this is another thing. I know I hate being the bearer of bad news here, but because Jared killed himself, now his children are more likely to kill, himself, kill themselves. It's a typical uh, response. Suicide in the family tends to um, migrate through the family. And, uh you know, I would encourage you, uh, if you're still listening to me, I would encourage you to kind of seek out some help for yourself if you're really overwhelmed with those scared feelings because you don't want that fear to, um, to cripple you. And really, suicide is a, 
fear-based action as opposed to a faith-based one. Um, and those two things really have a hard time residing together because they don't. Uh, let's see here. Um, all right, we got Laser Judas in here. PayPal is not letting you donate. Um, I don't know where you're trying to donate, but there should be a, if you're actually trying to donate, you're not messing with me because I don't know you, I don't think. Do I know you, Doug? I don't know. Anyway, um, it's biblenewsradio.com forward slash give. It should work through that site. I didn't have any problems with it. Um, anyway, so the, the um, I'm trying to find the other one. You guys have been putting in a lot of comments here. Sorry, I'm, it's taking me a minute to scroll through these. Could you imagine being chased down by a madman? The anxiety, the anxiety alone from that. Yeah. David, that's why we med meditate on Psalms, because David got it. Um, uh, Okay, Doug says there's no escape if you're forced into psychiatric treatment. You know, actually, a little fun fact about being being in a mental hospital. They actually believe, and it's kind of almost an unwritten rule, that if you actually are ever submitted into a mental facility, I don't care if it's Christian-based or not, they, uh, they feel like it's their duty to put you on psychotropic medication. That's exactly what happened to me. And I'll never forget it. I know the doctor's name and everything to this day who forced me on medication or coerced me, I believe. Um, and the therapist in that hospital said that he didn't think I needed to be on it. But the psychiatrist said, oh, no, you're in here. You should be on medication. And when they put me on medication, they didn't tell my actual other therapist at the time. And when I went back into therapy, she was like, wow, you're really, you seem more depressed than you were before. You know, maybe you should get on medication. And uh, to make a long story short, when I told her I was, she got really ticked off. And uh, <laughs> let's just say it was probably the best thing. It took me years to get off that stuff because it's highly addictive and they don't tell you um, what it was. I'm trying, I'm still trying there, to There is something to miss with the forwarding on the website. Is there really? Yeah. So if you just go to BibleNewsRadio.com and then select the give page. Okay. It it's all as well, but trying to put it in together, BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. Okay. And it freaks out. You get a bad gateway. So yeah. Or I if, don't I don't know what's going on there with yeah. The or if you forwarding. just use Mind and Media, so Mind M I N D and Media at Gmail. That's a PayPal. That's, as as the that's yeah, the, the, PayPal the email address. to pay pay it to. Psychiatrist's job is to subscribe pills as, yeah, okay, yeah, I know. And that's, see, that's the thing, the whole, and you know what, we, we are going to, we're going to expose the psychopharmacology world like you wouldn't believe um, in the future, because like I said, my friend Dr. Linda Logman, she's, she's been on the front of it. Do you guys get money from super hearts? Well, you know what, we don't have enough money to actually even apply for the super hearts program. <laughs> So no, no, not right now. We don't. I know Pastor Tommy has enough. She's got, but she's got gazillions more followers and stuff. Well, you've got to earn so many super hearts before you cash them in, right? Well, we got to earn so many before we can even apply to cash them in. We're right, not, we're not, right. Yeah, we're not even close to it. Right. Yeah. So. But well, I think we said the same thing. Yeah. 
I think I got all the things. I really miss Weekend in the Word with Randall. Oh, JD says that. You know, we're trying to get back into that, like, on Sunday night, just so you know. Do you have a YouTube channel? Yes, youtube.com forward slash Bible News Radio is our YouTube channel. And if you're watching on YouTube now, then you know that. And you can hit like on our show, because more likes, the better. Oops. And subscribe. Why do you have it on? Why do you have it on your scope? Why, why do we have what on our scope? The super hearts. Oh. Um, I don't know. I have that option when I launch it through Periscope Producer. I'm like, why not? Okay. Just just collect them. Because they do collect, right? I, I think they roll over. So, you know, when we get umpteen, hundred thousand, whatever you need to get in the program, I mean, might as well start collecting them. I we'll probably never get there, but... Did you send me email, Barb, or did you send me actual mail? Because I don't get any actual mail from you. Um, and I'm not able right now to open up my email. I have to do it later. I have enough windows open. <laughs> I don't even know if anybody's over on Twitch or the other platform we're on or Facebook. I had to shut it because my computer is getting too hot. Three viewers on Twitch. Hey, people. Uh, right. So Jesus Iscariot Safe Young himself was a follower of Christ. Well, Okay, and, no, I didn't get your package, just so you know. Yeah, just answering. Iron guns, you know, so Judas is Judas Iscariot saved. Well, it's not dependent on whether how he died, but whether or not he was trusting in the Messiah Christ for his salvation. Because if we don't, we, if we can't earn salvation, if we don't, you know, by grace we've been saved through faith, not of works, anyone should boast. So if we don't do anything to qualify to be <sighs> saved, to earn salvation other than to put our trust in Christ, how can we disqualify ourselves from salvation? Um, hmm. So, anyways. Okay. Randall, so, Randall actually checked the box today, and there was nothing in there, I don't think, from you. No, they didn't bring anything out. Okay. Well, we'll let you, I'll let you know. So, can you call in? No, Greg, um, Greg H. Riggy, uh uh, we don't, um, I'm sure I butchered your name, but no, we can't call in. Now we've kind of been bouncing that around and how we might I do would, that. I would love to be able to do it. The, pro the Here's the problem. The problem is is we're, we're live streaming this through another platform, which yeah. disconnects us from the ability to do it on Periscope. As a therapist, no. what can we do for no. someone that struggles with mental illness? Sitting is extremely subjective, so no is the answer. Okay. Um, as a therapist, what can we do? Okay, well, you know, uh, pray, I pray for them and believe the power of prayer. Here's the truth. I mean, people have to want help before you can help them. So, of course, yeah, you can pray for them. Um, and all you can do is let them know you can be there, you know, offer them resources, give them a suicide hotline, um, you know, my personal preference is show them God's word. And <laughs> hey, mister, I love you, Bubba. Yeah. But I mean, seriously, I, I open people up to Psalm 139 and I show a struggling, depressed person what God's word says. Okay, what if they don't believe in God? I don't care. You know what? Because God's word doesn't return void. It will accomplish that which he sent it forth to do. Um, is in Bible study tonight, this topic came up. What if you sin while dying in a car wreck before you take them out for lunch, coffee? Yeah. Huh? Get an opportunity to ask. For 
Oh, before you ask for... Okay, so, wait a minute. Okay. In a Bible study tonight, this topic came up. What if you sin while dying in a car wreck before you get an opportunity to ask for forgiveness? Well, I think you're... you're, you're here's the thing. Your salvation isn't based on your works. Exactly. And it's actually not even based on you asking for forgiveness. Yeah, people which come is, up with the questions is, about, you know, right. un, unconfessed sin or unforgiven sin, whatever. Uh, basically, they're asking, what can I do to lose my salvation? Well, let's turn it around. What can you do to gain your salvation? Nothing. Nothing. It, it's, right. been, it's been paid for. Uh, bought with a price, the precious blood of the Lord Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. Uh, Doesn't he, God give you an opportunity to ask forgiveness if you commit suicide? Oh, you mean like if you die and you appear there and, and um, all of a sudden Jesus is like, do you want to, you know, ask me to forgive you for doing this? I don't know. I don't have any idea. I but mean. I, it's certainly not a well done, good and faithful servant entry into his presence i'm gonna guess you know when i don't know stacy and i were talking about this the other i don't know maybe last night night before anyway you know i think about in first corinthians 3 that talks about the you know the call the the believer's judgment or where basically paul says that no other foundation can anyone lay than that laid which is jesus christ you know so each one should take care of how they build on it and he talks about precious uh you know precious jewels you know precious stones versus wood hay and stubble and that you know the day will declare what each one's work was basically we judge if it's wood hay and stubble it'll be burned up and he said but he himself will be saved it is though through fire and I was saying that rather it's 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 worse than wood hay and stubble I mean, if you have, you know, Christ died for you, you've been given a new life, spiritually born again, you've got this relationship with God, and you fritter your life away, you don't do anything beyond that. That's wood, hay, and stubble that you built on top of Christ, nothing of eternal value. You know, it'll be burned up, you know, but you yourself will be saved, yet is through fire. So if that's the case, if you just really don't build anything of value on the foundation of Christ, what if instead of building anything of value, you take your own life? To me, that's that's like that's like negative building. It's like you're tearing. Not that you can tear out the foundation because Christ is Christ, and what He's done is is you know perfect. But I certainly don't see that individual as hearing, "Well done, good and faithful servant." You know, I. I gave my everything for you that you could then, you know, um, do things worthy, you know, of, of eternal value. And, and you shortcutted it, you know, you cut it short and, and uh, took the life that I gave mine for. Yeah. And, I mean, just well, what and, a, Yeah. And like, you know, Sean is saying, destroy the ones they, they love. That. Yeah, that's even that, exactly. that's And the church. I and, mean, you know, let me, let me just say this. Look, 
I, I love people. That's why this makes it hard. I mean, I had this man as a guest on my show, and, and I, I pick my guests very selectively. I don't just pick anybody to come on my show. So the fact that I had this man on my show and he killed himself really bothers me. Um, but it just, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it gives the enemies of God perfect fodder. Just like, frankly, any sin does. But this one really does because it's like, well, I guess your God wasn't that good, huh? He, you know, you couldn't, you didn't really love God that much or he didn't love you. He didn't save you from this, you know. Why should I, why should I follow Jesus? Because you said you had hope in him and you offed yourself. I mean, it's, it's like, that's the enemy, <laughs> you know. And now Greg Laurie, bless that man's heart. Please pray for him. And Kay Warren, I have to tell you something. Those guys are picking up a mess, a mess. You know, Kay Warren shared, and if you guys didn't go and watch it, go watch it. She actually shared that she only knew Jared Wilson for about two weeks. Her and Jared and Julie, Julianne, Jared's wife, actually were getting ready. They, they were talking for about two weeks, and Jared was super excited about the ministry of helping people who struggle with suicide. She, he was getting ready to meet with Kay uh, on September 12th, which was yesterday. But of course, he killed himself September 9th. And so here's Kay Warren, Rick Warren's wife, coming before Greg Laurie's church, sharing about how she got the phone call from Julie that her husband had committed suicide. And I just can't even... I just can't even, I was, I was in awe when I watched her, you know, present. I mean, it was just, it was just crazy. And she, she addressed a lot of questions, but, you know, frankly, a lot of the, the questions that were uh, answered, um, I, there, I think they're platitudes. I don't think that, I think, no, Rick Warren did not commit suicide. <laughs> Rick Warren did not commit suicide, just so you know. Jared Wilson, who was the youth pastor at Harvest Christian Fellowship, committed suicide. I was just talking about how Kay Warren came to talk to Greg Laurie's church about it. Yeah, okay, good. And how she only knew this kid for two weeks. And then they were they were excited about, you know stuff that Jared was going to do and and all that and it just I don't know we just had a suicide at our church a couple months ago you know uh, a man my age committed suicide and so this is this is a real big issue people and and there are no easy answers to it right only two people really know what happened Jared and God um, but you know how do you how do you deal with people? Here's the thing, you know, love people. Listen to people. Ask them how you're doing. Ask people how they are. Do you know how few people actually ask me how I am? <laughs> you know? Very few actually. I I actually had a girlfriend today call me up and say, "How are you doing, Stacy? I saw something you wrote on Facebook and I was a little bit concerned about you." It made me cry. I was like, "Oh my gosh." You, 
you actually love him. This was a local friend too. It wasn't actually, I mean, it was just a actual in-person friend, not an internet friend, you know, it just, it's, it's tragic. And, and the thing is, is that everything we know of God and Christianity, God gave us the Holy Spirit. What's his role? To, to convict us of sin, to give us comfort. That's one of the biggest roles of the Holy Spirit is to give us comfort. You know, who can be a Christian and not believe God can comfort them and give them peace? That is a foundation of our faith. Faith. You know, when Jesus left, he said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. You know, I go, I go to prepare a place for you. There's many mansions there, you know. Um, don't be afraid. He says not to be afraid. And suicide is really a, a fear-based action um it doesn't coincide with faith and it's it's a tragedy because how do you how do i how do you how do we how do we encourage people who are sad and depressed who are christians in the church you know who who've lost hope and i'll tell you how open god's word read it immerse yourself in it meditate on it study it and that's what's lacking. Instead, the church has replaced that with pop psychology. You know, with a scripture smacked in there, you know, by and large, that's the big thing. And they don't encourage real honest stuff. Like, like let's, let's, let's be real. Let's be real. It's okay to be real. <laughs> you know? Instead, we say, oh, it's okay not to be okay. Well, it's okay not to be okay, but, you know... It's okay to be, to be real about stuff, you know? And here's the other thing. God didn't hurt him. You know? So. You mentioned, you mentioned about just loving people. And I agree. And that, that love doesn't have to be, you know, soft and tender and cuddly. Right. Sometimes it's got to be a little direct and uh you know if somebody's in in whatever they are whether they're wallowing in it or you know just uh basically being stubborn in something sometimes it it, it takes you know well, well we were looking at paul writing the corinthians earlier you know he says i speak to your shame and he he like you know i don't praise you in this and this is an utter failure and and later on in Second Corinthians, he's talking about you know how they put up with false apostles, and 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 kind of rips them another one. But he goes on, you know, he says, you know, why do I say this? Because I do not love you. He says, God knows, God knows that I love you, and you know, it's because he loved them, he loved right. his congregation, that he was willing to not let them go astray basically so that love sometimes someone's going astray or they're or they're basically unrepentant in in um you know whatever whatever they're stuck in um you know they're like being well just just stubborn and rebellious sometimes 
love looks like those letters to the Corinthian well, congregation. You know, and it's kind of like sometimes, you know, a parent will say to a child who's about ready to put his hand on a hot stove, he'll come and whack him and pull yeah. away. Yeah, smack that hand. And it's because he loves him. It's not because he's, you know, trying to, you know, hurt him. And and that's where I, frankly, I get misunderstood a lot. People yeah. misunderstand me sometimes because, you know, <laughs> I, I'm a little blunt yeah. I'm from New York. I mean, hello. Uh, I was born with a, a mom from New York and, you know, a little outspoken woman. But, um, but you know, it, it's there, there's always hope. There really is hope. Yeah. There really is hope. But people have to remember that suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Yeah, and well I know said. it sounds trite, but it's true. No, it's so true. You know? And is it inconvenient? One of my friends from high school today wrote on Facebook that they can kind of understand. Maybe he reached out, but nobody heard him. Then reach out again. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. check yourself yeah. into a hospital if you have to. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was, you know, I bared my soul earlier, but I remember one time I was at a job and I was suffering severely with a panic attack. I called 911 on myself and they came out, they gave me oxygen. They literally gave me a tube, you know, the oxygen that they put the nose up, thing up your nose mm -hmm. so that I could get through that. I had to learn. I had to learn to take care of myself. I couldn't just be a victim of my own thinking. I had to choose to make the decision that, you know what, I want to get well. And there, there, is a, there is a story in the Bible where Jesus went to this person and he said, yep. do you want to get well? Paralyzed man by the yeah. pool of Salome. And he said, do you, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? I would argue so many people don't. And his, and his answer and, wasn't direct. He says, well, you know, every time yeah. someone, every time the water is stirred, someone goes down in front of me. And <sighs> you know, that's, that takes me back to you began with the parable of the sower. Yeah. And that comes, you know, that's talking about the word of God and, you know, and it goes on to talk about the, you know, the wheat and the tares and yes. all that about the different types of seed sown as well as the seed in the different ground. But by an extension this way, and I don't mean to do disservice the word of God, but in a similar way, you know, you talked about seed being, you know, kind of expanded, not just being the word of God, whatever it is. And, you know, people can say, well, I, I, I tried talking to someone and it didn't help. Or I went to this thing, it didn't help. I quit. What if you if you if you throw a seed one time on some kind of soil and say, Oh, the seed it doesn't work. You know, the only way we find out what kind of soil it is is to boiling soil. If you say, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a painting and you paint a picture, guess what? That's the best picture you ever painted and it's the worst picture you ever painted. Right. Because it's the only one that you've ever painted. You paint another one, one of those will be better than the other. And probably as time goes on with many paintings, they're going to get better and better. This is the idea. Well, I've, oh, I, I went to counseling. I went to counseling one time and it didn't help. That's the thing that drives me nuts. And, you know, that's again, that's actually part of my story too, because not only am I a therapist by training, but, you know, I when people would come in to see me, that'd be one of my questions on my survey or my questionnaire. Uh, have you seen a therapist before? Oh, yeah. Well, how long did you go? Oh, three weeks. A month, a couple of months, maybe a year. 
<laughs> the high end. I actually never saw, probably most people never went more than a few months that came in to see me prior to me. Um, fortunately, most of my clients stayed a couple of years and they actually worked on stuff. But, but, you know, Rachel, the original therapist I was talking about, she ended up being a whack job, actually. And uh, I shouldn't say that, but it's, no, you it, it actually is true, though. It's verifiable, I wouldn't say. Verifiably, actually. But anyway, the bottom uh, line is. I don't know. After that situation with her, I had to make a choice if I was going to ever go back to another therapist after being really hurt by her. And. Uh, to make a long story short, I did. I make it. I made a choice, and you know where I found my therapist people. I called a church. And you know what? The church has a list of therapists that you could see, and I think I probably called at least twelve different therapists, talked to them all on the phone before um, I chose Lisa, the one that I picked. Um, you know, when I talked to her, and I ended up spending fifteen years with her, helping me get everything that I needed when I was, was in it, but it was my choice. I made the choice to deal with stuff. I didn't make the choice. I didn't, you know, I've never been a victim. Um, so yeah, 15 years is basically what I spent in counseling because I had a heck of a childhood and that's putting it mildly. Um, so you know, and then I became a therapist myself, went through my own stuff, my own training there. And, um, you know, and then I decided not to practice after, after I found out the, you know, the APA and, um, you know, to be licensed in California, I would have to bow to the government and they would have to tell me that I can't, you know, that, that I would have to approve of homosexuality and I couldn't help homosexuals and stuff like that. And I'm like, eh, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to deny my faith to do that. Forget that. So, um, but God called me this and I think there's a greater reason for that. Uh, but anyway, I just had a 15 hour with a therapist for my emotional burst with an interior designer. Oh, one, 1.5 hour. <laughs> well, you know the, how those interior designers can be just saying, I actually know a couple. <laughs> that was funny. I hope. I hope <laughs> I'm supposed. To, I hope that was a joke. Or if it wasn't, I'm sorry for making fun of it. But anyway, Ugh. yeah, we're way over time though. Yeah, we are. Um, but you know what? Hey, I I think that uh, I think that um, you know. God is good. You know, people do get crazy with their house. It's true. But God is good. Right? And every day might not be perfect. You might not enjoy every single moment of every day. But you know what, you guys? So many people don't get that opportunity. So many people don't get the opportunity to live the life that you've lived or as long as you've lived. And, you know, so my encouragement to you, my exhortation to you and myself is to study God's word. Open the Bible up and read it and meditate on it. Start to memorize God's word because that's the best way that you can overcome 
the intruding negative thoughts of the world. And, you know, I remember when I was a counselor in an elementary school for three years, those children would be inundated with those video games, World of Warcraft. I mean, which frankly is for adults and the parents are idiots for putting those kids in that. But anyway, you have so much crap coming at you, especially if you're a consumer of media, which I'm not. I don't have my TV on. I don't have cable, you know. <laughs> the media I do is very little. It's you know, sermons on YouTube usually or some other stuff I listen to occasionally. But the thing is, is if if you're really putting a ton of crap in your head, you need to put more good stuff to counteract all that crap. <laughs> and God's word will give you life. I challenge you. If you don't like to read, get the YouVersion Bible app or whatever and get some headsets and put on the Bible and let it read to you at night, you know, so it gets into your subconscious when you're doing it. Um, take time every day to read a couple of Psalms, write out a couple of verses, carry it with you, read it, say it out loud. Faith comes by hearing, right? You want to increase your faith, hear God's word. Don't just read it, hear it, speak it out loud. And I'm not the type that's like, oh, speak it into existence, none of that crap. Just speak God's word, speak the truth. Look at the characteristics of who Jesus is. Look at who he is. Get your eyes focused on who Christ is. You know, he is amazing. <laughs> you know, Jesus freaked out the religious people. And I think, frankly, that's part of my problem with some of the churches, that some of the church is so pharisaical, legalistic and stuff. They're looking at their works and they believe that they can figure stuff out, but they're not looking at who Christ is and what he did. Imagine that, you know, and here's the thing. They killed the perfect man. So if you're following him, you're, you're not going to have a lot of friends. Okay. I mean, let's just face it. You're not going to have a lot of friends. Jesus didn't have a whole bunch of buddies, you know, but he had a couple good ones that kind of turned the world upside down. But still, you know, get to know the Lord, get to know him, put your trust in him. You know, one of my favorite verses is um, Psalm 68, 19, which says, uh, Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burdens. He is a God of benefits. And I remember when I was 14 years old and I came across that verse when I was first a Christian. I was, I remember exactly where I was when I read it. I was in Mrs. Cardine's Spanish class. We were having our fish club, which was the Christian club. And I remember opening up the Bible. I said, Psalm 68, verse 19, it says, Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burden. And I remember thinking to myself, this says he daily bears our burdens. It doesn't say yearly. It doesn't say monthly. It doesn't say weekly. It doesn't say every other year. It says every day he bears our burdens. And it says, blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burden. I was like, Wow. And I would, I actually would write that down. I'd share it with my friends. Hey, did you know the Bible says that, that God daily bears our burdens? How freaking cool is that? <laughs> That's pretty stinking awesome. That means that every single day, he, he daily bears my burdens. You know, and I've gone, so, I've gone through some crap, man. My mom died. I know what that's like. You we talk about a big loss. Your mom or dad dies. Many of you already have had that happen. That's huge. You know, you sit there, you're looking up at the sky going, Lord, this world is so big and now my mom is gone. My mom will have been dead for 17 years in, in November. And, you know, it's funny because 
my mom was a believer at the very end of her life. She wasn't, she <laughs> took cancer to get her there. But, but I miss her, you know. I think that, you know, I, I often wonder what, what would she have been like if she had got to grow into her 70s? Like if she was still living, she'd be in her 70s, you know. But, um, you know, she died when I was in my early 30s. I'll be 51, you know. I've lived half my life without my mother in it. Of course, I had to heal from my mom. <laughs> still, the point is, I get it. You know, we have pain. We lose jobs. We lose friends. We lose relationships. We're disappointed by stuff. You know, crap happens. But God is bigger than all that. You know, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, he loved, he gave that whosoever believes, believes should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's truth. You know what? It goes on to say that he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. You know, he loves you. And Romans 8 says that nothing can separate you from his love. Not death, you know, angels, principalities, none of that stuff. Nothing can separate you from God's love. You know, depression, anxiety, nothing can separate you ever from the love of God. You know, maybe people will let you down, but God never will. And God will never hurt you. I heard a profound thing. I know I'm talking a lot, but I, you know, I, I heard, I heard a very profound thing to the other day, a guy was talking on um, Instagram. He said, and he was, he was a coach and he was saying, he was saying that sometimes people will take out stuff on you because they're hurting. And he, and he said, one thing that he learned to say to them was, you know what, look, I know other people hurt you, but I'm not the one that hurt you in this case. I'm here to help you. I am here to help you. Does it mean that we don't hurt people? Yeah, we do. Sometimes we do. I've been pretty hurt lately, as some of you know. But Jesus doesn't hurt us at all. You know? He's, he doesn't hurt you. I mean, he doesn't hurt you. He died for you. I mean, how could that hurt you? How can that hurt anybody? You know? It uh, doesn't make sense to me. He gave us a family, those of us with no family. He gave us, he gave us, um, you know, a place to be a family. He gave us love when some of us didn't get it. He made it safe. He made, he gave us a safe world, a safe place to go to. He loved us. He loved us enough that he wrote a whole book and left it for us with a gazillion million pounds of evidence to prove the validity of the book. And yet, it's usually covered in dust or somewhere else. We're not opening it up and reading it. Because it's complicated, right? It's not. And you know, the other thing is, talking about this depression issue, 
You know, God knew that was going to be a big issue. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, you know, Isaiah, who was sawn in two. You have Jonah, who preached the best sermon ever, and revival took place, and everybody repented, and he was depressed afterwards. We have Elijah, who took on the gods of Baal and kicked butt, totally won, and then was depressed afterwards. <laughs> Why do you suppose God gave us those stories? Because that's life, people, <laughs> you know, but nowhere, even in the book of Job, did God ever validate that depression or the feeling sorry for ourselves, like that we're, we're going to die. He never validated it at all. In fact, with Jonah, he ignored it, basically said now, hey, you've done this enough, get up now and go and do what else you're supposed to do, you know. Life is earnest. But you only have one life to live, people. So live it well. Because I don't know about you, but I want to leave this world. And I do want to hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I get you. You know I love you, right? I'll go, yep. Yeah, it will be, right? Mr. Realtor Man. Yeah. Anyway. All right, people. I I wish I could stay up all night and talk to you, but I'm kind of tired. <laughs> Had a long day. But I did play pickleball this morning with rocks, and me and Randall are playing tomorrow, <laughs> I think. Are you going to play tomorrow? My plan. Okay, good. Yeah. So we're going to play pickleball tomorrow, so we need to go to bed and get some sleep. So, uh, uh, yeah. College football? Yeah. You go. The college football's good. I don't have really TV, but, you know, that's okay. You're welcome, buddy. JDF, Scott. Love you, buddy. And, and believe it or not, I love you people. I know you probably don't believe that. Some of you sometimes you're like, nah, 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 nah. but <laughs> it's true. I'm human. So, okay. So tomorrow, uh, our show will be back at eight o'clock. Pickleball is like tennis, and it's fun. And if you really want to see it, go to YouTube. Giant and, ping pong. Yeah, just go to go to go to YouTube and and you know do that. And and if you want to share your feedback with how I shared my soul with you people, then that would be helpful too, because I'm feeling slightly vulnerable, but but I'm okay with it. So as I always say, people be bold. Stand up and go with God because he does love you.